Hello, and welcome back to Season 1, Week 11 of Let Your Genius Emerge podcast. This week will mark the last episode of the winter season, and as of the 22nd of March 2022, Season 2 will start, when we will have two parts each week. One will be our podcast in Season 2. For six months, we are going to mainly focus on communication and the social aspect of our Tower of Needs. We are social animals, and as such, we have the fundamental needs to communicate. It is essential, however, to say, write, or gesture the way we can feel good about ourselves, not just now, but later on as well. The way we talk to ourselves also helps or hinders our path to self-awareness, self-confidence, and all the positive self-characteristics. The other part will be Journaling Thursdays. I'm inviting you to a journey of self-exploration, when we can find out what we know about ourselves, why and how we know it. We can also test if some of those statements are validated, or we can dismiss them. We can add to our values and create meaningful goals. I'm going to honestly do it with you on a blog page online, so you can follow my sample, and I will also provide plenty of words to choose from if you get stuck. We will eventually touch on creating habits that will serve us better in the future as we know more about better ways to fulfill our needs. Our habits are created and built by our parents and family, but as we grow up, we have the power of consciously think about our basic needs and revise what we want and how we want it. We can formulate our habits for the rest of our lives, knowing that we will always have the power to decide to change something that is no longer working for us and make it better. We no longer have to do things just because it has always been done that way. I mean, we can and we need to revisit every minute of our lives, every inch of our environment from time to time, and whatever we have power over to reclaim as completely ours. Mind you, it is not much that we have complete power over, so we need to grab and have full control over what we have, and that is ourselves and our own environment. We do not live in a society where you can do what you deem is good for you, no matter what anyone tells you. To start with, you did what your parents told you at the beginning. Then your teachers came. Then your employers, politicians, your friends. There is peer pressure. You compare yourself. You never quite seem to measure up. Well, you don't need to. In Season 2, we will have our Tuesdays episode, and on Thursdays, we will have journaling for six months. It takes 180 days to solidify a habit. No, it is not three weeks, not three months. It is six months. I am inviting you to do some journaling for at least six months. We will go through basic habits and see what why and how they would need to be changed, and how often they need to be revised. We want to be in control of our own self, our own lives, our own thoughts and actions. That much we can do. The rest is out of our control. Today, 
I want to reflect on two well-known terms with you, and I wonder if we could connect them to each other. The first one is survival of the fittest, and the second one is conformity. One circle is the survival of the fittest, and the other one is conformity. Would the two meet as a Venn diagram and have a common area? Herbert Spencer coined the description, survival of the fittest, and Darwin adopted in later editions of On the Origins of Species, and ever since it has been in use. But the common use of the word fitness leads to misunderstanding in most people's minds because they think that all those who are muscular and fast are the ones that survive. It is far from the truth. In evolutionary biology, fitness has a very different meaning. It simply means which individual or species can reproduce and leave offsprings behind. When the environment is the same, it is easy. Every creature lives the way they usually do, and their parents, grandparents, the generations before did. That is how the dinosaurs lived for 165 million years on Earth, adapting to incremental changes in climate, plate tectonics, and such. But 65 million years ago, when an asteroid hit the Yucatan Peninsula, the little critters, which had lived hidden under the ground, not to be eaten by the big dinosaurs, could adapt to the harsh environment and survived the years of dust and lack of sunshine while their predators died out in agony. These little mammals fit into the changed environment and could pass on their genes. The fitness was their reproductive success that made it possible for them to come out of hiding and eventually populate, leading to all big mammals to evolve and grow among primates, Homo sapiens, ourselves. The big muscular dinosaurs died out. But not completely. Our birds are here to remind us, all of their ancestors. There is the answer. What was before, the chicken or the egg? Answer, the dinosaur. Evolutionarily, fitting in means that the living thing becomes whatever it needs to become to survive until it can have its offspring. Change, compromise, lose a limb, grow a tail, grow limbs, and then lose them again. Lose eyesight by growing skin over eyes underground. All this just to keep their bloodline alive from one generation to another. When animals live in hierarchical social settings, they need to fit in as well to survive as individuals. Either it is a bee, an ant, a low-ranking monkey, they need to play their parts as well. An alpha male monkey is not necessarily the strongest and the fittest either. He's the one who can gain the most support. Even alpha male monkeys kiss babies and shake hands to find alliances in their groups, so the big strong macho monkey can easily booed out by the group. As we Homo sapiens are close to 8 billion in population, we really don't need to worry about the pressure of passing on our genes. What most people don't understand is nature balances out the population by controlling fertility 
and sexuality. So instead of fighting gender issues, we need to embrace it as a very natural phenomena. In larger families, homosexuality is not uncommon, where there is no need for more children, but there is need for more caring hands. Whatever we are seeing out there cannot be unnatural, so instead of judging, we might become curious or just let nature be. So, we have arrived at the notion of conformity. I hope by now you have started to sense where I am coming from and why I paired these two terms up. I mentioned stereotyping in an earlier episode under self-control as a dangerous cultural energy-saving device. Conformity, I think, is also a shortcut. Beside the need to belong to a group or a society, people do not want to think about whys, the reasons, and the how. They assume that there have been smart people before who could be trusted with creating structure based on a story that had been passed on and been written down and by now taken for granted and cannot be changed, overruled, criticized in any way without gravely offending the group. When you join in, you sign up to protect the story, the structure, their rituals, and their traditions. If not, you will not be accepted. You will stick out like a sore thumb. It is like that with the largest establishments like religions, countries, nationalities, and ethnicities, as well as smaller ones like sports teams, university fraternities, corporations, political parties, anything you might buy into. They have their own structure, their own standards, values, rules and regulations, symbols, rituals, what have you. I'm not saying that these are all wrong, but I'm saying that joining in with no questions asked and accepting that no inquiries can be made is dangerous. This is why I could never join any group or establishment. There was always something that I could not agree with, I could not do, I could not identify with. I also have a hard time to do things exactly the same way at the same time with a crowd as everybody else does. Rituals are not me. I feel silly. When I tried to join a work-for-yourself company, meaning selling door-to-door like 30 years ago, I was asked if I was easily trainable. I thought I was. Well, it turned out I wasn't. I questioned their ways and their methods. I wasn't suggestible enough. I know, as soon as you start kindergarten, you are carefully watched by your parents and teachers how you fit in to your class, into your school, into your group. This goes through your school years and when you get employed. It is hell for students who don't blend in. They are the ones who get bullied, teachers mistreat them. What's interesting is that the bully, the cheerleader, and the teacher's pet are the odd ones out, and all the rest are average or normal. They just don't know that because they compare themselves all the time with the wrong people. So what do they do? They conform. They do what they think is expected of them, but never feel comfortable in their own skin. They survive. But survive what? How long? How much time do they waste and missing out on precious moments? 
as they turn into adults and beyond. Some people lose their self-identity before they ever can find one. They just identify with the expectations. I really don't know how an adult who lost their teenage identifying years can actually become successful in later life, not without professional help. So I think conformity is the social way of evolutionary survival of the fittest. You need to blend in, fit in, conform, not to stick out, to make it through. But people can get together and make change, you might say. They might go and do heroic acts because they believe in the story and traditions of their group and they're ready to die for it, no questions asked. Or they only go if they see there will be enough people there for them to blend in, to be part of the crowd. Urban homo sapiens usually love crowd. Well, season one of Let Your Genius is over. We talked about our basic needs as living earthlings and as part of human society. It would be beneficial for everybody if they could clearly differentiate between needs and wants, necessities and desires. That way their stress load would be less as well. When you remember how you survived when you were in college, you might say, I could do it again if I had to. I mean, it wasn't fun to wait for the transit in winter, but I got from one point to another. I need to take care of my needs and my mental health. My thoughts, my feelings, and my actions have a great effect on each other, so I can monitor them and I better not let problems pile up. It is always easier to get one problem solved than many. We also talked about the bigger picture, how our ancestors from 50,000 years ago were the same as we are now. They had the same basic needs. They had the same mental capacities. They were even genetically as prone to depression as we are today. So how did they survive? With the help of their tight community and their ways to work out problems. They did not ruminate. They did not dwell on the past or the future. They learned from it and went on with their lives. Okay, but where's the genius in all this? Didn't you promise to look for a genius inside of us? Yes, for sure, there is one. I'm sure of it. But it can only emerge from a balanced, well-maintained body and mind. That is why I started with the Tower of Needs. Only when your body and mind is well taken care of, secure and safe, educated and balanced, ready to be provoked, think outside the box, dwell on questions, discuss and debate, be able to take the other side's point of view for fun, ready to explore and find answers, but also open to relinquish old ideas if they can be proven wrong. Not many people can do that. They buy into ideologies, either religious, political, or cultural, and they will die for them without ever taking the time and energy to check those ideas for themselves. This is partly responsible for the way people identify themselves. Their self is what is reflected back to them by their reference persons, parents, educators, instructors, or leaders. I'm a family man, a good Christian. I love my country. I will die for these values. 
However, when you think you need to die for your values, then you think someone is against your family, your religion, your country, and that is when things go sideways. The way you hear the story of your religion or your country might have different versions when it is told to the other groups of people, but you don't investigate, you just hear the one-sided version. Now, winter is officially over at 12.33 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the 20th of March, 2022. Spring has sprung in Ottawa. I designated the start of spring as our new year, as I think life is ready to show itself again. For this podcast and our listeners, I wish Happy New Year. Let the new season begin. Talk to you in the spring. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four.